So we're in a series on resting. And doesn't that graphic that, uh, that Pastor Josh chose for this uh, series just look so restful? And uh, couldn't you imagine just taking a deep breath in that space? And just experiencing rest right there in that park on that bench. Have you ever experienced, though, not being able to breathe? Do you have any experience where you cannot get a breath? I remember uh, I grew up in Shatter, Nebraska. We would always travel to uh, Hot Springs, and we went to this place called Evans Plunge. Anyone been there? Natural uh, spring water place. And I couldn't quite swim, and I was on a bunch of mats, and some kid mistaken me for one of his friends, I think, and pulled the mats out from under me. And I remember that moment to this day, not being able to breathe and sinking and hoping, you know, that my life would be saved, right? Have you, have you ever had an experience like that? Or maybe you've talked to someone who, who literally can't, whether a panic attack or some health issue or imagine drowning like that, you know. Um, it even happens sometimes when I put on my comfy. Anyone have a comfy? It's like a really, it's like a Snuggie, but better. But sometimes I put the the hood over and all of a sudden I feel claustrophobic. I can't breathe, right? And that's when fear and panic sets in. And we have uh, our our beloved Barb who is here with us back here going like this. She's uh, not afraid to be the spotlight. And she is with us because she had a lung transplant. Was it almost five years back? Five years ago. So she was experiencing a condition where she was not going to be able to continue to breathe and literally needed a new lung. And so it's been amazing that she's been with us all these years, like pretty much defying the odds, beating the stats. It's, it's awesome. So our rule of life, in a way, is to help give us space and capacity to breathe in our lives. That's one way we can think about it. Now, our rule of life that we've been uh, talking about, it doesn't feel like life or death. Like, we don't probably have the same type of fear or panic if we don't have our rule of life in place. But yet, it is very much a matter of, it, of whether or not we're going to experience the abundant life that God has for us or the alternative damaged relationships, broken relationships, just kind of the hustle and bustle boredom in the Christian life. So in in another way, it it, it very much is a matter of abundant life or death. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So not just eternal life, like when we die and we spend eternity with Jesus, but eternal life, abundant life, full life that begins here and now. Yeah, so you may be asking, what is a rule of life? We keep talking about that. Well, let me Google search that for you. So if you look at mosaicmhk.com slash rule of life, Josh has worked really hard and our our web team has done a great job putting this together. There's gonna be great information. There's already great information on there, more to come. But this is uh, what, what we say there. A rule of life is a set of principles and practices that guide our lives as followers of Jesus. It provides a framework to focus our time, attention, and affection, so we align each part of ourselves 
to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus does. This intentionality over time helps cause maximum fruitfulness just as a trellis trains a vine to grow healthy, strong, and produce an abundance of grapes. So we're spending several weeks on um, sets of practices. We're not just walking straight through it week after week after week. We're going we're gonna to take time kind of to, to develop a training program, if you will. So we have time and space to learn and practice these things. So a lot of these uh, talks on resting are going to just be very, very similar. And so you may have one application point that you're just beginning to practice and hitting it at different angles each week, and that's great. It reminds me of uh, my experience at the gym. You, you know, we can't stop talking about the gym because so much in there will preach for sure. But we run cycles that cover different modalities or movements that we focus on for six to eight weeks at a time. We don't do everything each week. So we kind of focus on that to get proficient and competent in that before we move on to another cycle. So we might be on a back squat, bench press, and pull-up cycle for eight weeks and then shift to like deadlift, push press, double unders, you know, jump rope things for eight weeks. Now the goal is to become competent, proficient in all of the things, but we're not. So we need to focus in on some and continue to develop that rule of life or that physical fitness. So here we are in a resting cycle. And today we're focusing on cultivating self-care. Cultivating self-care. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is asked, and um, this, this topic comes up a lot in his teaching and in his ministry, he's asked, of all the commandments, you know, the 600 some in the Old Testament, which is the most important? And if you've been around church for a while, you probably know the answer. And if you've not, that's great. That's why we preach, and that's why we'll, we'll dive in. So in Mark 12, Jesus gives the answer. He says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with all of who you are, body and soul. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So to love our neighbor well means we need to love ourselves well, right? So if you're experiencing self-condemnation, self-despair, self-hatred, or you're not taking care of yourself, and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself, that's no good, right? So the need to practice self-care or self-love, I think, is directly tied to the greatest and second greatest commandment. Let me, let me pray for us and we'll, we'll keep going. Father, thanks for the morning. Thanks for all gathered here, those online. Thank you for what you're doing in and through the life of Mosaic Church and just across our, our uh, greater Manhattan area through all the churches. We wanna be a part of something um, that's bigger than ourselves individually and even as, as a church here. Pray that each of us could take whatever that next right step is towards greater health and greater intimacy with you and greater love for ourselves and our neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a story in uh, 1 Kings 19 
um, where Elijah has just had a great victory. So he's on cloud nine, proverbially speaking. He has just had, it's like he won, he won the gold medal. Just think of the, 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 a high high in his life. But he's being chased by a lady named Jezebel. He's on the run and he's afraid for his life. So he's been running 100 miles an hour. He just had the great victory. And now he's being chased. He is afraid. He's running for his life. He leaves his servant. So he kind of leaves his community that he has around him. He went into the wilderness. He sits under a tree and he prays that he would die. And he said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Now, I don't know if, if he was suicidal per se or if he, what level of despair or depression he was, he was suffering, but it's pretty bad, okay? So he is in a bad place sitting under this tree. We pick it up at verse 5. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Dude's exhausted. Some of y'all just need to fall asleep. Like, some of y'all need to say, hey, I missed next week. I just slept in. And I'll say, praise God, you, you responded to the, what the Holy Spirit was leading you. Some of us are just exhausted. And all at once, an angel touches him and says, get up and eat. He looked around. There by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank. And then he lay down again. This dude is... How's he going to love the Lord his God with all his heart, strength, soul, and mind? He is exhausted, and he needs nourishment. He, is, he needs water. Just needs some basics uh, to bring him up to health again. Goes on, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. And again, these angels are messengers of God. So this is God Almighty saying, hey, my servant Elijah, he needs to eat, drink, and sleep. He needs to eat, drink, and sleep. Go remind him. Get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days, 40 nights. That 40 theme, you know, we're in Lent. It kind of ties in. Till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he came into a cave and more sleep. Spent the night. So Elijah, he was depleted. He'd been doing great things for God. He was a spiritual giant. Uh, The spirit of God was on him. But yet he needed a little self-care, right? To be available to the next task at hand. And actually to be even present with God next. So after this, Elijah's ready. He's ready to engage with God for the next chapter ahead. And that's right where uh, the the whole scene where God's not in the, the wind, the fire, all the things. God's in the still small voice. You can read that story. It's pretty good. So right here, I want to dive right into the practical and then dig back into the scriptures, okay? So each week we're talking about putting this into practice. So this morning, uh, there's gonna be a a beginning step and then sort of trying to establish a baseline for cultivating self-care. So the beginning step for self-care with a goal towards a healthy heart, soul, mind, and strength so that we are available and present to love our neighbor, That's the goal. It's not self-care just so I feel good about myself, me, 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 me. It's so I can be present and available to love my neighbor and love my God. So uh, the beginning step, or beginning uh, practice, 
Choose one act of self-care this week and receive it as a gift from yourself. Also, you know, it's a gift from God, but from yourself to you. You give yourself permission to receive it. Maybe that's sleeping in. Maybe that's a nap. Maybe you, literally that is your next step. And you think about this sermon and you're like, man, I am taking a little step towards holistic health so I can love my God with all my heart, strength, soul, and mind and love my neighbor as myself. So I wanted to share a little bit just quickly of, of my own self-care practices or attempts at them for a healthy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in many ways, Josh preached this sermon for me last week, which is great. I just caught up on it, listened to it, when he talked about recreation or recreation. That was one of his points. So thank you, Josh. I know you're not here, but thank you for preaching that. So the question is, what would recreate you? What, what's recreational for you? One of our mingle questions this morning would really help with that. If you created a perfect day, what things would you do? And maybe there's something on that list you need to receive as a gift from yourself. For me, it's things like, um, you know, mornings. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Can I get an amen? Anyone know who that quote's from? Hopper, Stranger Things. Okay. <laughs> coffee, contemplation, uh, food and drink decisions. Uh, both Josh and I, and also Dave and Sarah, and um, not sure as much about Alicia, our staff team, we're, we're foodie people. Intentionality with food, right? Um, I had a, yesterday, I, I made an amazing breakfast, and I don't do this that often. Where I cook, I, I had a, a breakfast sandwich of shrimp, sausage, and bacon, cheese with this olive oil mayo, so good. Then for dinner, and this is atypical, I'm like preparing for a talk on self-care, so I'm like trying to do all the things. You know, tilapia uh, with these rosemary potatoes, and, and Maris just kept going on about how amazing it was. I was like, man, but this stuff takes time, right, to really do it right. Food and drink decisions, walking, hiking, simple things. Uh, we live in a culture that wants to feed you all sorts of expensive stuff that's that the newest and shiniest stuff, but it's just the simple things that are going to care, care for us. Um, you know, trying to plan a kid's birthday party, it can be exhausting. Trying to come up with the, the most glamorous thing, but uh, we had Maddox's 10th birthday at our house, just at our house, and the, the hit was just playing knockout. The boys just being together outside in the, in the, in the sun. It was so recharging for them. Uh, something that's been pivotal for me or very important since COVID hit was keeping a gratitude journal. So every day, at least three things can be small, could be big that I'm thankful for. I'd listened to a talk years ago about um, all the research around the practice of gratitude for increasing happiness. So completely secular research. It's like, if you do this, you'll be this much happier and I feel like all these, these few years now, since keeping this since March 2020, I, I don't want to stop it because I'm enjoying the benefit of, of, of cultivating gratitude. And I can tell you more about that specific study and some ideas around it if you're interested. So keeping that gratitude journal is an act of self-care for me. Just journaling in general can be so helpful. Um, Meditation, mindfulness, and, and Josh listed several ideas last week too. Reading is an area that I, I could grow in in self-care. Is, uh, I don't protect that time to keep, keep up there. Um, even, even the small things, you know, um, I'll put it in the category of hair and beard care. 
right? I mean, women like, you know, in the, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, go get your manis and petties, and it's sort of that act of self-care. It can be in corporate. Guy, men have the same thing these days. There's companies out there, right? Duke Cannon is hooking me up with some amazing soaps, beard oils, you know, all this stuff. This is, this is good. We, we, we need to be cared for so that we can then care for others in the same way we care about ourselves, right? Um, music, engagement with music can be so helpful. Maybe there's a gift you need to receive there. So the song I've had on repeat for the last several weeks um, when I'm being intentional is that Sound Mind, the Melissa Helzer version, which I believe we'll sing it a little bit later, the Emma Tuttle version. Um, here, here's a song that if, you, if you're out there and you're, when I mention the word self-despair or self-hatred or self-contempt and that hits something for you, go listen to this song. It's called Be Kind to Yourself by Andrew Peterson. And better yet, put it on YouTube and watch the video and receive that as a gift of self-care, okay? The other question that came up on Mingle, Mingle question, anyone remember it? Yeah, yes, puppies or kittens. So sometimes I need, it's just I gotta go get Lola, our little kitten, and get a little self-care going, little cuddles. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty physically affectionate person, and sometimes it's too much for my family, wife, and kids. And that's where Lola's just like, oh, here he comes again. Um, and actually, there's research out there about self-hug, the value of a self-hug. So uh, look into that as well. There's, some, there's just really simple, cheap, easy ways that we can love ourselves to get into a better and healthier spot to be present available to others. So that's the beginning, right? Choose one act of self-care this week. Receive it as a gift for yourself. And we're going to add to that, that beginning step at the end of our teaching. So, and then establishing a baseline. So this would be kind of the next level. Um, so I would encourage you to discern in conversation with the Spirit, with, with God, maybe with uh, community, a specific scary step of faith to cultivate self-care. Why do I say scary step of faith? Well, if, it's, if it requires faith, it means there's something unseen about it, and it's probably going to be a little bit scary to you. And so I gave a couple of examples. It might be seeking out therapy because you're like really struggling with some things, or maybe you're not struggling that much, but something's just missing, and people are kind of giving you the hint, or the Spirit of God is saying, yes, you need help. That might be a specific yet scary step of faith for you to love yourself well so you're present and available to love your neighbor. Could be join a fitness community. I mean, I've shared this story over and over again, but when Maris looked at me and she said for her 38th birthday, she wanted me to go to this specific gym for a month, it was scary for me. It was intimidating, but it was what I needed to really care for myself to be more fully present and available. So that's the baseline, um, is, is, uh, and, and maybe the Spirit of God's bringing to mind something specific, or maybe your spouse or a friend is nudging you like, oh, write this down and do that, you know, pay attention to that. And if you need help um, really considering how do some of these things like therapy, potentially even medication, um, I'm no doctor, but th- that might be a step you need to take. 
Um, If you're having trouble synthesizing that with your understanding of the scriptures, I recommend this book to you, Finding Quiet, My Story of Overcoming Anxiety and the Practices That Brought Peace by J.P. Moreland, Christian scholar, who most of his books are much more scholarly, uh, but this one is his own reflection on his own battle with depression and anxiety. And I was reading this book um, from one of my other pastor friends' recommendations who had really been battling and still is battling anxiety when COVID hit. So I was like right in the chapter on, on uh, bilateral stimulation, which is a, a whole other thing we could talk about uh, when, when I learned that COVID was like a real big deal. Um, it's, it's a wonderful book. It's short. I have my copy here. If someone wants to borrow it, come and find me. I'll let you borrow it. And I'd ask you this, um, are you experiencing the double whammy of being a depressed or anxious Christian? What do I mean by double whammy? So maybe you're experiencing depression, but then you're depressed about your depression because Christians aren't supposed to be sad. We're supposed to be happy and joyful. And so you're stuck. It's a double whammy, right? Or you're anxious, and then you're anxious about your anxiety because Christians aren't supposed to be anxious. So I think a lot, a lot of us are trying to make things work, and there are pathways forward, but we need to understand what we can receive as a gift from God. So, all right, let's do a little more digging into the scriptures here. So we've already seen uh, Jesus answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Big theme throughout the scriptures. So let's think about this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Paul in Romans 13, um, which I think it's interesting, Paul, um, he says here, he says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So all, all our debts are paid for by Jesus. But Paul says, you still have a debt. It's just ongoing love of one another. For whoever loves others fulfills the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, not murder, not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I think it's interesting because here and also in Galatians 5, it's like Paul is just like gotten rid of the, he's not gotten rid of it, but he doesn't even reference love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. He is so focused on love your neighbor as yourself. In Galatians 5, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, you're called to be free. We are called to be free to experience freedom, but freedom isn't doing whatever the heck you want. He says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, freedom is to do what you were designed to do originally. Serve one another humbly in love for the entire law, he says, is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, there, you know, this idea of me and my private relationship with God as a thing, it's not a thing. The whole thing is about loving one another, loving your neighbor as yourself. And just to, to nail it, uh, point home, James says the same thing, James 2a. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. So this is wonderful. 
We've heard it before. We get it. We're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But we're still struggling to love ourselves. Just going on a walk this week, it's not going to fix it all. Um, Listening to that song might feel okay, might be part of it, but it's not going to just fix it. So let's keep digging a little bit more for how can we really love ourselves well. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So now we're starting to drill down a little bit more on what what is love, what is love do? Because love, as we've talked about here, and I mean, it's, it's a word that just in our culture has been stripped of its, it, the depth of meaning that it has when it's tied to the gospel. So first, um, we need to experience the forgiveness of God, which comes with a recognition of our wrongdoing, Right? So to really be able to experience love, we gotta, we got to understand and recognize the need for love. A few weeks ago, I introduced the gospel circles. Anyone remember that? If not, that's okay. That's why we talk about things over and over again. So the gospel circles, at the center is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. The, the next circle out from that are gospel truths. Because Christ died for our sins, these things are also true. So I am forgiven because Christ died for my sins. I am now forgiven. And then the, the third circle is gospel behavior, which always flows from the gospel and gospel truths, never from the law. The law is not what's uh, dictating what we do, except for the big picture law of love, right? Motivated by the gospel. So Christ died for our sins, and here the the gospel truth is, in Christ, God forgave us, forgave me. Therefore, as I experience that love, then I'm able then to be kind and compassionate and forgive others. And one, one just note here is to live this kind of thing out, you have to be in relationship with others. You cannot do this on your own. You have to be up close and personal enough where you would actually have a reason to have to forgive someone, right? Or be forgiven. So I know, I know, I know community is really starting to, to sizzle for me personally when I experience forgiving another person and them forgiving me. And so if that's never occurred in our relationship, maybe we're not as close as we could be, right? And that's okay. That's why we have small groups. You know, we, we need groups of people where we can really live this stuff out. Let's keep digging into the, the scriptures. So here I'm going to take us to some of John's writing. In 1 John 4, 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. So this is the demonstration of love, sacrificial love. He sent his one and only son into the world 
that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Gospel circles, clear right there. God sent his son, his son died. Therefore, we are to love one another as we've experienced love. Um, Skipping a few verses, but then down to verse 19, we love because he first loved us, his initiating love with us. We receive that, and then we're able to love. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So these 15 verses, love over and over again, 18 times. And if you read the verses in between, several more times. He says, you've got to love who you can see if you're to love the one who you cannot see, right? Who's the first person you see in the, in the morning? You look in the mirror, it's yourself. Anyone you lay eyes on, you've got to be able to love that person, to have love for God. Sometimes we flip this around, right? Feel like, oh, my relationship with God's tight, but my relationship with other believers or my neighbors not going so well. That is not how it works, right? Do you see that in the text here? So to love one another well means we've got to love ourselves well. And um, I wish that we could see Jesus. I wish we could see him, touch him, hear him. At the beginning of 1 John in verse 1, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Think about John and the disciples. They had heard Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This they proclaim concerning the word of life. But we have not yet seen or touched or heard Jesus. Although he is physically resurrected, ascended, and sits at the right hand of the Father, however that works, to return one day, and we will see, hear, and touch Jesus. That will be awesome. But in the meantime, I see you. I hear you. I can touch you. Imagine, imagine hearing the voice of Jesus look at you and say, I love you. I mean, the best we have is the voice of Jonathan Rumi in The Chosen. It's a pretty good voice. It moves me. It helps me understand, you know, the love of God, but it's not the voice of Jesus. Imagine seeing Jesus smile at you. And this is a good practice at times is to imagine if Jesus were to look at you, what's the look on his face? And if you imagine him looking ashamed, disgusted, Uh, or wanting to look away from you, that's the wrong look that Jesus would have for you. He would smile at you. Even after hearing all you share about your thoughts and your intentions, all of that, he would smile at you with tenderness and care. Imagine touching Jesus, receiving a hug from Jesus. Yeah, that would be wonderful. But we don't have that now, but we have one another, right? So it's no wonder 
uh, that Paul in Ephesians 3, I know we're hitting a lot of passages here. He, he kneels before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth, he says, derives its name. So this is his prayer for every human. In Ephesians 3, he prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So to be able to experience the love of God such that you would be able to turn around and love others in this fallen, broken world requires the spirit of God to strengthen you in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So he wants us to know something that surpasses knowledge. That's supernatural knowing, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Uh, This past week, I had a, a friend... Um, actually DM me on Instagram just the question, do you think God loves me? And I know a little bit about what's going on in their life and it just it broke my heart because I, I imagine them just sitting there wrestling. Do you think God loves me? And I mean, I can say, yes, go read this, this, and this, but that, that person needs supernatural strength to embrace and experience the love of God so they can be in a healthy place to love others. And the answer to that question, by the way, if I didn't say it, do you think God loves me? Yes. Yes, he does. And I I saw a Facebook post by a a pastor friend recently, and all it said was, sermon prep. Tried multiple times to type the word belovedness, and my phone doesn't recognize it. Keeps auto-correcting to beloved mess. And there's probably a whole sermon there. (laughs) And that's good. We are his beloved mess. And he's cleaning it up. He's cleaning it up. And the the last little short quote by uh, author Tim Keller, and some of you probably know this one, the gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. So you think it's bad? It's actually worse. As we dig into the intentions and the subtle, it's worse. But you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. So it goes both ways. The more you understand the gospel, the more you're able to see the the depth of your sin, but the more you're able to revel in forgiveness and and the glory that is yours in Christ. So Paul talks about love, love, love throughout the book of Ephesians. But then in chapter 6, he talks about spiritual warfare because it's, it's serious. There's a battle around if, if humans will experience the love of God such that they would then love one another. There's a lot at stake here. All right. Last passage quickly, Okay. So there's these uh, instructions for Christian households, uh, a chapter later here in Ephesians. And not to dive in to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to husbands, husbands love your wives, all that. We can talk a whole sermon there. But what I want to see is what, or this is two chapters later, Ephesians 5, 
is to see what happens here. This is a picture of Christ in the church. So most of your Bibles will say instructions for Christian households. It could just as easily or probably more appropriately say Christ and the church. That's what this household code is really about. Listen to this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We just read about that in 1 John. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So beloved mess, you know, is, will be perfected one day and presented to Christ. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So all that grooming, you know, clipping out the little split ends in the beard and shaving just right and just at the gym, the the care I would take is to be applied to my wife. But the big picture is this is about Christ and the church. He who loves his wife loves himself. So I find my own, I, I love myself well by loving my wife well. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we're members of his body. Then he goes on to say, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So did Christ practice self-care, self-love? The dude was so sacrificial. I mean, he went to the cross and died, but he was loving himself well by loving his body, the bride. Isn't that awesome? And really, the, the oneness of marriage... Not only is a picture of oneness with Christ, uh, the church and the, the bride of Christ, but think about Paul's, uh, or sorry, not Paul, Jesus' prayer in John 17. No slide for this. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray for all those who are going to believe through my message that they may all be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am you in you. I've given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. And so the the goal is that when I'm caring for myself, I'm also caring for the body of Christ. And that fold, that flock is just growing. The intention is for the, the world to know and experience this love. And the way it looks in Ephesians 4, oh, I lied, there's another verse. Instead, uh, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow and to become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And that's the picture, and that's the mission of our church, to unite people in the way of Jesus. So I'm experiencing love You're experiencing love, and it's all flowing from the love of God through me to you and vice versa. All right. Last application point. And this one gets very granular. Told you there would be more. So I want to introduce um, a little breath work for you all. And the reason, what I want you to do is connect your breathing to inhaling the love of God so you can exhale the love of God to others, okay? 
We're all going to breathe. We all have to breathe. Why not use our breathing as a reminder of God's love for us and the love that we're to expand to others? So the next slide does not keep with the aesthetics of the rest, okay? Just, just to warn you, Henry Bartel would not like this. Oop, where are we at? Four, seven, eight, okay? Four, seven, eight, breathing. Four seconds, breath in. Hold for seven seconds. Eight seconds, breath out. You got that? So you can do this anywhere, lying, sitting down, um, The way you start is exhale fully through your mouth, inhale through your nose, four counts, hold, and then eight counts out. Shall we try it? Okay. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to count while breathing, so here we go. Exhale. Even there, we, we need to build capacity to breathe, right? And that's what a lot of these, this breath work is designed for, which is also a reminder of our need to build capacity in, in receiving the love of God and giving the love of God. So my encouragement to you as our beginning step is to practice and do this for four cycles, practice it twice a day for six weeks and build your capacity to breathe but also to receive and give love. Um, we can, we'll practice right now, and I'll invite the worship team to go ahead and come up. Um, but just on our own, we'll walk through four cycles, and we'll have a little bit of space in our time. And um, what I love is we, we can also work on memorization, meditation of Scripture, Right? So this is just the Lord's, or sorry, um, Psalm 23, verses 1 to 3. So take a moment to focus on the 4, 7, 8 breathing and meditation. And one thing you'll see here as you slow down and read, you probably, you may have read this many, many times, but why does the good shepherd need to make the sheep lie down? Because they struggle. They struggle to even care for themselves, right? Sheep need to be put, you know, down to rest. And that's what the Good Shepherd does. So we'll take a moment here. And you can play something. Oh, (laughs) the worship team has freedom to, to start whenever.
So each week this uh, series, we've, we're taking the Lord's Supper together. So I invite those who are serving to, to come up here. And uh, this, even this morning, I thought of the, the old worship song, This is the Air I Breathe. It's okay if you don't know it. We're not going to sing it. Maybe one day we will. It says, This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. And the second verse is, This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me. And so I invite you as you come uh, to the Lord's Supper uh, for those who are have relationship with Christ and are working towards unity in the church. Receive the Lord's Supper as an act of self-care, of, of receiving uh, the love that is yours through the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. And then as you return to your seat, consider how you might give that love to your neighbor. I invite you to stand and we'll we're also uh, doing the Lord's Prayer each week. So we can share, recite this together as we close this time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Feel free to take your time and come as you're, as you're ready. Amen. This teaching was recorded by Mosaic Church in Manhattan, Kansas where we're uniting people in the way of Jesus. For more resources like this, visit mosaicmhk.com.